Welcome to Rama for Today Radio. Well, this was during World War Number Two. Uh, she had two or three boys who went into the service. Now it's right that we should pray for our boys who are in the service. And this lady with tears would stand up and request prayer for her boys, and we would include them in prayer. She was a great woman of prayer herself. Now, after a certain length of time, one of the boys was going to be shipped overseas. Before he left, he had a, a, a furlough and he came home. He'd been in for quite a while, so it wasn't just a matter of returning after basic training because he had some rank, and as an airplane pilot, he had helped in training others. Well, he came home, and during that entire period, she never did come to church. You're listening to Rama for Today with Ken and Lynette Hagen. Today we continue the series, The Will of God in Prayer, by Kenneth E. Hagen. Stay tuned as we listen to this powerful, timeless teaching. Also, later in today's program, I'll give you the details on this month's special offer. Right now, here's Kenneth E. Hagen's message. Things that happen in our early years, from the natural standpoint, help to mold our lives. And this is also true from the spiritual standpoint. For that reason, when I got married, I told my wife, I'll run the church and you run the house. I never would allow my wife to teach Sunday school. I know in the first church we pastored, after we were married, they said it's a custom here that the pastor teach the adult Bible class of the men and the pastor's wife teach the women. Well, I said, my wife doesn't. The board of this church said, yes, but it's our custom here. We've been doing that for 20 some odd years. I said, I just changed that custom. We'll just consolidate the two of them and make one big auditorium class, and I will teach both of them. My wife doesn't teach Sunday school. Well, why, they asked. I said, well, you see, I'm going to preach and pastor the church, and I want her to stay home and keep house and take care of, of me. I want her to run things over there, and I'll run things over here. If no one else in the church could do anything, then I might let her do it. But there are too many other people that you can put to work, so let them do it. Then they wanted to put her in as president of the Women's Missionary Council. And I said, no, I don't want her to do that. She can come, but she doesn't serve in any capacity. Well, it paid off well. I'm saying that it's possible for us to nullify the effects of our prayers. We once had a lady who was a marvelous Christian Sunday school teacher. She was one of the best Sunday school teachers and most able Bible teacher in our entire church. I thought so then, I still think so after a great many years. Well, this was during World War Number Two. Uh, she had two or three boys who went into the service. Now it's right that we should pray for our boys who are in the service. And this lady with tears would stand up and request prayer for her boys. And we would include them in prayer. She was a great woman of prayer herself. Now after a certain length of time, one of the boys was going to be shipped overseas. Before he left, he had a, a, a furlough and he came home. He'd been in for quite a while, so it wasn't just a matter of returning after basic training because he had some rank, and as an airplane pilot, he had helped in training others. Well, he came home, and during that entire period, she never did come to church. It was a 30-day period. She didn't even teach a Sunday school class. The assistant teacher had to teach it. They were around visiting kinfolks one time on Sunday because they worked during the week. The very last Sunday that he was home, they had a family reunion. They had a good many children. Some of the older ones had been married for a number of years, so many grandchildren were also involved. It was just a big affair. She didn't come, of course, on that Sunday. He was there for this 30 days and left. 
after he left, the other one came in. Now the very first Wednesday night that she was back to church, she got up with tears and asked us to pray for her boy, pray for so-and-so especially. He's been shipped out and is on his way overseas right now. Pray for him that he'll be saved. See, he wasn't a Christian. Right from the pulpit, I said, Now, sister, I'm not going to do it. Now, I'm sure that that startled the whole crowd. Some of them were sitting there half asleep, and they came wide awake instantly. I said, I'm not going to do it, because you've been turning in prayer requests for months. You've turned prayer requests in almost every time. We prayed, and we believed God when we prayed. I know this boy of yours. I've talked to him in times past. I know him well enough. I knew that all these boys greatly appreciated their mother, more so than their father, because she had been a Christian for so many years. And uh, so they had great respect for her and for her experience. I said, we prayed and prayed, but most people don't get saved out there somewhere. Most people get saved in church or in a church service. You know, people get saved as a result of hearing the gospel preached, not just because someone prayed. It was like the old boy who was not feeling very well, and they were trying to get him to go to bed. He said, no, I don't want to go to bed. They asked him why. He said, well, I may die. More people die in bed than any place else. Well, friends, most people get saved under the influence of God's word. That's the way it's done. And so I said, now your boy was home 30 days. I know him well enough to know that if you had asked him to come to church, he would have come. Then the last Sunday, you had a great family reunion. Everyone got together to talk from the natural standpoint, but you neglected your Sunday school class and didn't come for a whole month, missed four Sundays. I know if you'd said, well, now, son, this is the last Sunday. Come and go to church with Mama. At least on Sunday night, he would have come. That seemed to come as a, a surprise to that dear old soul. She had been standing up to turn in her request. And when I said I was not going to do it, she just stood there and looked. A look of acknowledgement came on her face. She acted as though she hadn't thought of that. She acted as if it came as a, a surprise that she could even ask him to come to church. She said, well, that's right. That's true. He would have come with the expression on her face that said, why didn't I think of that? Well, now you think, you would think that any Christian would know enough to do that. That doesn't mean that you would have to nag and ding-dong people about uh, and keep digging at them. She could have said, I have a Sunday school class and I must go to church. You can come and go with me. I'd like for you to go. If he refused under this invitation at first and on the last time, she could have said, well, this is your last day home, son, and I would appreciate it if you would come. I know him well enough to know that he would have come out of respect to his mother. I know of plenty of other people who came the same way and under the influence of the Word of God and the Holy Ghost were convicted and saved. Now you see what I mean? You see, instead of helping our prayers, she did everything, consciously, unconsciously, to hinder our prayers. And so we were praying in the will of God, but we can hinder our prayers. Friend, let's, let's have boldness when we come to pray and confidence that God hears us. And let's walk right before the Lord and we can get answers. Now we know, as we have pointed out to you, that saving the lost is the will of God. However, very often in praying for lost ones, loved ones, or lost individuals, uh, very often we hinder our prayers ourselves, even though we're praying in the will of God, yet we nullify the effects of our praying and very often nullify the effects of the other person, of the other people, or the effects of the church praying. I know we had a lady in our church one time, one church I pastored,
who every time when we took prayer requests uh, would ask us to pray for her husband. He would come with her once in a while. He was unsaved, but he'd come on Sunday night occasionally. And if prayer requests then or during a revival meeting would be asked for, well, uh, she would uh, stand right up in service and request prayer for him and, and maybe him right there by her side and uh, or in the service somewhere. And it would embarrass him. Well, she'd call his name, you know, and say, pray for him. She wanted us to pray that he'd get saved. I remember one time in a Wednesday night service when there were just some of the church members there, she came and requested prayer again. Well, I simply made a point of it as I wanted to illustrate to the crowd as well as to her. So I said, Sister, we're not going to do it. You've turned in prayer requests here again and again and again and again. And we prayed and prayed. And I said, I've talked to your husband. I visited him in your home. And talked to him for two or three hours at a time, at times that she was out and wasn't there. And there's no reason for us to go on praying about him. You are nullifying all the effects of our praying. You go home and tell him everyone's fault in the church and all the church's business. Now there were some things which unless she had told him, he just couldn't know. I know no one else would have told him. Then I said, you will air all of the pastor's mistakes and all the Sunday school superintendent's mistakes and all the mistakes of everyone else in the church. You just talk constantly. I dare say that every meal, that's all you talk about, until he almost asked the question, why do you even go down there to church? You don't believe anyone down there has anything. Until you can learn to keep your tongue, I said to her, you are going to nullify the effects of all of our praying and believing for him. He does still come occasionally to church, but you've just about talked him out of coming altogether. And he has more of a chance of getting saved here than he does anywhere else. Yet you have just about talked him out of coming. He'll still come once in a while because he has a personal liking for me. Now that was like giving that dear soul a whipping. She resented it at first, but finally straightened out and became one of the staunchest supporters that we had. Up until then, she had never even paid her tithes, though she had money of her own, more than he did, more than her husband. She was a businesswoman, made much more money than he did. She began to support and to keep her mouth shut. I told her publicly, your main trouble is you talk too much. You ought to learn to keep your mouth shut. He began coming more and more to church and was finally saved. And you know, even before he got saved, she came and talked to me personally and thanked me for helping her. Well, you know, people who are intelligent uh, want to learn and they appreciate it. Well, what am I talking about? I'm talking about things which are the will of God in prayer, but we nullify the effects not only of our own prayers, but those of others also. Now, let's not work against God. Let's work with God. Now then, I'm going to give you another illustration about the will of God in prayer and about uh, how that we hinder or nullify the effects of our praying even though it's God's will. Now let's just talk here some more uh, about this illustration. Philippians 4.19 is what I'm, the scripture I want to give you. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now if this be true then we know that praying for finances to meet obligations is his will. Actually, when he said, my God shall supply all your need, he was talking about material and financial affairs. I believe that he meant 
all your needs, whatever it is, material, financial, spiritual, because all means all. Or every need of yours means every need of yours, whether it be spiritual, physical, material, or financial need. All of them, every one of them. I believe that. I want you to believe that. Now, unless someone thinks that it is not true, that he's concerned about our financial needs, or that, uh, that it is not what he's talking about here, read your entire context. Read all this whole fourth chapter of Philippians, and you'll find out that the Philippians had made up an offering of money and goods to send to other Christians. Paul is saying to them, because you've given to them and helped them, my God shall supply all your need. Now, he was talking about material and financial matters. We believe that. You're listening to Rama for Today with Ken and Lynette Hagan. Now, let's join Ken and Lynette Hagan. Don't forget our special offer this month. Oh, special offer. On prayer. Right. Your series, uh, three CDs, prayer, the power plant of the church. Your dad's a book on the art of prayer. This is an awesome book. It is an awesome this book. This ought to be in everybody's library. Yes. Normally $35.95, $6 off, $29.95 for both. And that's a special offer. Uh, only good for this month. Only good for this month. So if you want to get in on it, you better do it right now. Yes. Okay. This month's special offer is the Overcoming Prayer Package, which includes the Art of Prayer book by Kenneth E. Hagan and the three CD series from Ken Hagan, Prayer, the Power Plant of the Church. Both tremendous resources are just $29.95. That's a savings of $6 off the retail price. Call 1-888-FAITH-99. Don't delay. Call 1-888-FAITH-99. That's one 1- 888-FAITH-99. Or if you prefer, write Kenneth Hagen Ministries. Our address is P.O. Box 50126, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 74150. Don't forget, for faster service, order online at rhema.org. That's R-H-E-M-A dot O-R-G. Tomorrow on Rhema for Today, we continue with the teaching by Kenneth E. Hagen, The Will of God in Prayer. Thanks for listening to Rama for Today with Ken and Lynette Hagan.